team of people who get on either the red or blue line and they carry, they have like a wagon or a backpack full of clothes and food. They've got a wide variety of things that they can offer folks. Uh, You know, they, they kind of move through the train. They'll you know, jump off at a stop and, you know, scamper down to the next car on the L, uh, trying to move through and see if there's anyone there who's looking for assistance. are especially looking for people who are sheltering on the trains. They introduce themselves as somebody who works for, like, Haymarket or Thresholds, and they ask if the person's okay. Um, it seems like most interactions kind of start that way. Or trying to, if someone says they're interested in shelter placement, trying to, you know, call in and see if there's anything available, which is the perennial issue they run into is the shortage of shelter space. Uh, but they try to connect folks with shelter. Uh, they also each, have... Each time they kind of note that, um, either on a clipboard or some other note-taking one way. One of the ride-alongs. Uh, we went down to the North and Clyburn station on the red line because there was a gentleman there that the outreach workers were familiar with and, you know, just kind of wanted to check in on and see how he was doing, see if he needed anything. Uh, and he actually, I believe for the first time when we were there, expressed interest in a shelter placement, whereas previously he'd been sheltering in or near the North and Clyburn station. By some estimates, there are nearly 70,000 people in Chicago experiencing homelessness, many of them sheltering on the CTA. Block Club Chicago's Rachel Hinton and WTDW's Nick Blumberg joined a ride-along with two organizations that are part of an outreach program meant to meet our cities unhoused where they are. The ultimate goal? Getting them shelter. But perhaps the first important step, offering them a human connection. On today's Block Club Chicago podcast, Rachel and Nick on what they saw and where we go from here. Rachel Hinton, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Nick Blumberg, welcome to the Block Club Chicago podcast. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Great job on this story, guys. I want to start with Rachel. Rachel, talk us through the two agencies that you kind of followed along on their rides on the CTA? Yeah, so one is uh, Thresholds, the other is Haymarket Center. Both are kind of longstanding social service agencies that uh, help people experiencing homelessness and also focusing on kind of the root causes or other like issues that may lead to homelessness, like mental health disorders, substance use disorders. And they, those two agencies were tapped by CTA um, and the, the city's Department of Family and Support Services to take outreach efforts onto the trains. And so that's mostly looked like trying to create shifts to meet people where they're at. Um, so people who are sheltering on the trains, we were told, are, are typically on there uh, in the evenings, like late evening, like 4, 4.30 into like early morning-ish. Typically, the CTA is a shelter of last resort. So these teams, you know, go on the trains kind of armed with food, hygiene products, clothing, et cetera, to kind of help people. And then while they're sheltering on the train, but then also try to connect them to shelter or other services they may need. Nick, uh, Hate Market Center and Thresholds obviously been around a long time. 
What's the partnership like with CTA? How did this financially come about? CTA, uh, you know, in, in speaking with CTA leadership, they realized that particularly in the post-pandemic years, there was a, a huge spike in folks that were sheltering on the CTA, whether on the trains or on property, uh, CTA property. Certainly, this has been a, a long-standing uh, you know, need that folks have had. This has been a longstanding thing where people have been sheltering on the CTA. But in recent years, they, they felt like this was something that they really needed to tackle, focusing not so much on enforcement, but on doing outreach, doing social services. Um, and that's a, a trend that you know, transit agencies around the United States have been involved in. So the CTA staff came up with this plan and, and the board approved first in late 2022 to fund a $2 million contract with the city's Department of Family and Support Services. They oversee the shelter system and a wide array of you know outreach. And they contract with a lot of different nonprofits in the city. So uh, the CTA tapped the Department of Family and Support Services, because they have the expertise, they have the contacts, and they were the ones who, uh, you know, asked folks for put together a proposal. Tell us how you would do this. How how should this outreach look? What are the what do you think is going to be most effective? So Haymarket and Thresholds uh, sounds like it had a, a pretty good degree of autonomy in terms of putting together a program that they thought would be successful, that they thought would help folks. Um, and they are in, you know, they do monthly. Um, let me say. Uh, they record all their interactions each day. There's a lot of, of data collection, a lot of data points for folks to look at, and they're reporting that back to family and support services, to the CTA. You know, there's monthly presentations that we obtain that we were able to see kind of the progress of this and how they're trying to essentially shape this program as it goes based on what their folks in the field are seeing and what the needs are that they're able to meet. This is something that's uh, still sort of in a, in a pilot phase. So they are, uh, you know, they, they got a lot of freedom to design this program in a way they thought would be most effective. And they're also trying to tailor their outreach to where the needs are. I think that this outreach program brings humanity to it instead of just like trying to help people get into a shelter or whatever. Like the focus of this is building relationships and building trust, because without that, it can be really difficult to help people get into a shelter placement or even housing. We have boxes of Narcan. We have, we have pants. Ponchos, just in case. We have thermal. If there's somebody that we encounter on the train, our team who's who's in the van can sort of roll up to the next station, pick that person up and provide them transportation to a shelter, to a hospital, to our substance use treatment facility, um, to the social security office, to the state ID office, um, to any of those different places. People need help, especially uh, people who may have been homeless for a really long time, like to go from homelessness to housing. It's not just an overnight kind of thing. You you need help. You need support. You may need, you know, supportive housing, meaning that, you know, maybe that comes with mental health or substance use like treatment or you, you need help like finding a job or you need help like being able to fully exit that space in an emotional capacity as well. So yeah, I would say that this program really tries to focus on building those relationships with the hope of helping people get off the trains. I'd also say that it seems like outreach efforts generally, at least for some of the other agencies I've shadowed, not just for this, sh this story, they really focus on that. Like they focus on um, really speaking to people experiencing homelessness. I think often because, you know, 
people who may be getting on and off the train who are going to work or going home may not do that. And these people, they're, they're human too, they're people. People do better if you can find them safe housing faster, and then they can work on the other things of their life. It's easier to work on my mental health than my substance abuse challenges if I got a roof over my head. That was one of the things that really struck me in talking with these agencies is that they do see the dehumanization that a lot of folks face and they really work to combat that, that even if an interaction that they have is just to say, hey, hello, how are you tonight? And that person doesn't want service, doesn't want a snack, doesn't want anything from them. They view that as a success. And I thought that was a really pretty powerful way to look at their work. Right. Like the end goal may be they take advantage of a shelter opportunity. But the vast majority, I imagine, don't for a myriad of reasons. Do we have numbers on how many people ultimately do decide at some point, whether it's a first interaction or much later on in the process, to choose shelter? Through September, there were 5,000 interactions with people experiencing homelessness on the trains. And through those interactions, 122 people were placed in shelters. Another 27 were connected to stable or permanent housing destinations. And another 20 were housed through an event specifically set up for people uh, sheltering on the trains. It's called an accelerated moving event. It aims to kind of expedite the process of moving. So like you can look at, you know, different apartments that are available. You may be able to get like furniture, like same day through like the city furniture bank um, and a couple of other steps. So that may not seem like a big number to some people. For me, anyone that gets to go and guide it into a shelter, great. But I guess that just kind of shows that there is not a one-size-fits-all answer. I think a lot of people, when they see unhoused people on the street or on the train, they say, we need more beds. Why the heck can't we just get more? And certainly that has got to be part of the problem. But Nick, I think these numbers show that it is going to take kind of a Herculean effort on many different fronts to solve this. I think that's true, especially because, as Rachel pointed out, many of these folks may have been sheltering on the CTA or, you know, sheltering in some other location not meant for humans to live in uh, for many years. For any number of reasons, there are plenty of people who don't feel comfortable going into the shelter system, who've had negative experiences in the shelter system. Uh, you know, some people prefer to have the autonomy of, you know, being in a, a tent encampment, being on the CTA, things like that. And I think the outreach workers want to make sure they're not being prescriptive with those folks and saying, no, the way that you're seeking shelter is wrong. They're not there to judge. They're not there to tell them what to do with their lives. They're there to be a resource for them. But in order to take advantage of someone as a resource or an organization as a resource, there has to be a level of trust. And, you know, to your point about it being a Herculean effort of those 5,000 plus interactions, you know, a very significant portion of those, I believe a majority of them, were with folks who didn't really want to talk with outreach workers at that particular time. But those 5,000 encounters are individual encounters. Those aren't specific people. So one of the organizations that we talked to said, you might talk with somebody five or 10 times. You might talk with somebody 50 times before they want to engage with you. But when they do trust you and they do have that relationship with you and they are willing to engage with you, Maybe then they are willing to talk about going into a shelter system or coming to one of those accelerated moving events or even just taking some snacks, taking a bag of hygiene products, whatever the case may be that they're offering. 
Gathering data on this problem has been an issue, and there are varying numbers depending on who you talk to. I mean, even just to ascertain the number of people that are unhoused in our city is tough to do. That's got to be an element of this, too. Yeah, I believe so. You know, speaking to, to what you just said, you know, there's the point in time count, which is like a federally mandated thing where city staff and volunteers go out one night and try to count the number of people who are typically in the wintertime who are sheltering you know, either in a shelter or places not meant for people. But that count doesn't take into account like the number of people who live doubled up and, you know, who may have found some other way of living, maybe people who sleep in their cars or things of that sort. And so I think that, you know, taking down, you know, information on maybe this person didn't want to talk or they did or, you know, this is a service they requested or whatever, it helps the CTA and the city and these organizations understand maybe where the needs are. You know, if they see a lot of shelter requests, but they don't have enough beds, it's like, well, look, we we need to figure out how to get people into shelter. Like, that's the main thing people are requesting. How do we do that? I think it helps them kind of determine where to focus their efforts and maybe what to ask for. But also, you know, in the logs that we've seen, um, or in these presentations, it's been also a way of kind of celebrating the small wins. There are a couple of like kind of notes from the field about a person who maybe didn't want to interact, you know, for the first three to five visits, suddenly now carrying a conversation or uh, having a request for shelter. Or um, there was another one where I believe two workers helped reverse an overdose of someone on a train. It could be 50 visits. Sometimes it could be two or three visits. It just, it really depends. But you have to keep showing up. You got to keep coming back. Nick, with people you've talked with, whether it's CTA, maybe folks from the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless, are they celebrating this program? I think certainly in speaking with the CTA, they see this as something really positive for the system, for riders, for the folks who are getting assistance through this program. I, I think they view it as... You know, to them, this wasn't necessarily within their wheelhouse. This wasn't their expertise. This wasn't the kind of thing that they had worked on before. So in some ways, they're still, you know, getting their sea legs. But I think they view this as a really positive development. And it sounds like there's a lot of internal support and support from the board for this program. You know, right now it's authorized through the end of 2024. Uh, but certainly in uh, speaking with, you know, one of the CTA higher ups, they are, you know, it sounds like they're committed to doing something going forward. The CTA sees the same issue that Haymarket and Thresholds and the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless do, that there's not enough shelter space and there's not enough affordable housing for folks who are interested in exiting homelessness. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that the CTA doesn't have the, you know, the funding or the wherewithal necessarily to create a shelter system or to create a bunch of affordable housing. So I think that's where they see the major hang up here. That's where they see a lot of that's I think that's what they'd like to see change going forward, because that's not something that's within CTA's control. So they view this outreach program as a win, but they recognize that there's a big asterisk there. Rachel, is there something to be said that even the presence of these people talking to people on the train does something to everyday commuters as well? You know, I think it goes back to the humanity piece of this program. 
you know, people getting on the trains, you know, to commute or whatever, they also see these people over and over again, you know, from one of the teams that either a a train conductor or even like, you know, other people waiting for the train will say like, oh, there's a guy who's typically on this train or like, oh, you know, they typically hang out in like that little room I described. Beyond bringing humanity to people experiencing homelessness, it also like, creates or further like kind of reinforces the fact that like we're all in a community like these are these are our homeless brothers and sisters as one of the the officials said that we spoke to broadening out a little bit bring chicago home of course the ballot initiative in march plays a role in that i imagine supporters would say nick Absolutely. When we spoke with the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless, which has you know, been the organization that's really leading the push for this ballot measure, they said that this is the key piece for how we move forward because there has not been, in their view, enough of a dedicated funding stream to do outreach, to create affordable housing, to create more shelter space, to create more wraparound services. You know, the way they put it, there's always a budget squeeze. There's always, well, we need to shift this over here because these revenues were down or they see funding for services for homelessness for folks who are unhoused as a place that just always gets cut. So they said creating a dedicated revenue stream is a key piece for how the city can tackle this problem going forward. Yeah, when you start adding up the number of dollars, the number of teams that are able to outreach through this program, the number of people that they've interacted with, no doubt it's important work and it has made an impact, whether on individuals' lives or in a broader sense. But it just goes to paint the picture, Rachel, of how much money it does take. Yeah, I'd agree. And I I don't know that anybody has a price tag for truly addressing homelessness. Often officials are constantly trying to kind of cover their butts and budgets, you know, make sure that like services, certain services are fully provided for, but that means that other people are kind of left behind. Does it need to be shelter beds? Does it need to be supportive housing? Does it need to be more, you know, affordable apartments? I don't, I don't know. I don't know that anybody has that answer or that anybody is really fully done that kind of math. I walked away after reading your piece, Rachel and Nick, and watching your story airing on WTTW, Nick, at first with a sense of joy and pride that we had a city with people that cared and this program was great. Then I felt the weight and the enormity of the problem and felt depressed. But then at the same time, if there are little things we can do to tackle things and try things, we can almost get lost in the enormity of a problem so much that we lose focus on simple things that we can try to do in the meantime to tackle this one bite at a time. I do think that's a pretty common experience as a reporter is seeing just how huge a problem is and starting to feel a little overwhelmed by it, but also recognizing the fact that there are a lot of people who are on the ground every day and every night doing the hard work of, you know, reaching one single person sometimes. But I think we have to recognize that reaching one person, helping one person is a win. Obviously, in terms of scale, you want to see that get scaled up. In terms of the money CTA spending, you want to see that have a significant impact. But I do think the the simple act of people going on to trains, talking with, you know, people who are homeless and just treating them as regular everyday folks and, hey, how are you? And having a conversation, uh, that's a pretty powerful act. I think sometimes we can forget that those moments of human connection are are powerful and are important. So 
I did my best throughout this story to to focus on that and try not to get lost in just how much work there is to be done. But uh, there is a lot of work to be done, and there are people out there that are grinding each day trying to do it. Rachel and Nick, thanks for joining us. Thanks, John. Thank you. This has been a Block Club Chicago podcast. The link to the story in today's show notes. Today's episode edited by Iridian Fierro. Till next time, I'm John Hanson. We'll drop another pod on you soon.